Welcome to Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam, a podcast about navigating adolescence without losing our minds. Each week, I guide you around the teenage landmines with practical tips, simple solutions, and words of encouragement. I'm your host, Dr. Cam. Let's get on with the show. Hello, Calm Parents. Welcome back to another episode of Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. I'm your host, Dr. Cam. And if you fear appearing weak and vulnerable in front of people, especially your kids, this episode is for you. Today, I'm talking with Fatima Oliver, wife, mother, and author of the newly released book, The Prescription is in the Dirt. As a transformational coach and speaker, Fatima's mission is to help people heal from childhood trauma, heartbreak, abuse, and horrible decision-making using her baby step approach. Today, Fatima is going to share with us the power of vulnerability and how it can make us stronger as parents. Welcome, Fatima. I am so happy to have you here. Thank you so much. Now, I have to repeat what I told you so that you're... Yes. (laughs) So it's like a disclaimer. So my son, (laughs) who, who will be 15 soon, he told me that before I speak to think, will it be problematic? So that kind of tells you <laughs> the interesting things that can come out of my mouth day in and day out with my, with my kids. <laughs> it also shows how intuitive and spot on our kids are. Um, and sometimes, I know, which is there showing your vulnerability right there, right? It's yeah, like, okay, sure. you see my weakness. That's okay. Totally. Because I totally wrote it down too. I was like, I'm totally writing that down. I love that. Reminder, reminder. (laughs) It's great. So, Fatima, tell us a little bit about your story and what kind of got you into this passion of helping people through their their pain. Well, I think that I've always been a compassionate or empathetic person, truly because of what I have been through Um, as a child. I I went through a lot. I grew up on the hard knocks of life, just like Mm -hmm. a lot of people, Um, single mother, um, family, uh, family of all boys. I was the only girl. Um, Not much time to um, dive into emotional connection. It was really a survival type of atmosphere. and, And that's just what it was. And so Um, I went through a lot as a child, but I didn't, I never learned how to process my emotions. And so when I say I went through a lot really quickly, I've been someone who uh, was um, sexually assaulted at the age of 11. I um, had a disfigurement to occur when I was two, um, a burn accident that occurred that um, uh, disfigured me on 25% of my body. I was um, um, beaten as a child by our stepfather. Um, just, uh, just, uh, just things and just, um, just feeling the feeling of abandonment from a, a father that was not there and was on drugs, um, um, with, I guess, a covering of a mother that was very frustrated all the time because of trying to feed four mouths and, um, not really having the time to, to, to deal with herself. Mm-hmm. And so when she disciplined or when she spoke to us or gave us direction, it was often from a very harsh frustrating place. And so that all of that created me. And so um, I, I was a scared child, a timid child, an insecure child, someone that went inward, struggled with anxiety and depression before I even knew that it was anxiety and depression. And that carried into my adulthood. And then I'm um, just like my mom. Um, she 
um, parented from a broken space um, because of where how she grew up. I began to parent from that place because of how I grew up. And, and so I have four boys. One is 21. Uh, I'm going to take them up because this month I have birthdays. So I have a 21-year-old, a 15-year-old, a 10-year-old, and a 7-year-old, all boys. And so um, I grew up with boys. I'm in the home with boys. And I really took on that that mindset that that I grew up with, being harsh and just so direct and um, and just really not... Um, releasing myself from that generational way of parenting. And so I'm grateful that I learned it very early on with my first child. Um, But still, there were moments that I wish that I could take back in my parenting because of what I learned and what I put on him. That is, I mean, wow, trauma. Um, So when we're talking about trauma-informed and working through that, you've definitely experienced a lot of that. And it's just amazing that you're able to take so much pain and turn it into this powerful, you know, writing a book and leading people and speaking. How did you make that transformation? Yeah, it really was. I've always been a faith-centered, spiritual um, person. And so that has always been at the center. Even when I made embarrassing mistakes, some things that you say, I would never tell anybody, I'm taking it to the grave with me. (laughs) Even those things, right? Um, My faith was at the center. And I really got to a place in my life, truly, when I was in my mid-40s, where I was at a place where I still felt that depression and anxiety so heavy on me. But in this space... I really wanted to end my life. And Mm. I was really thinking about how I could end my life. And I had children and I had a husband and I had a good job. And all these are the things that we think if we get it, we'll feel better. I had those things and I didn't feel better. If anything, I felt worse. And truly, I believe it was was because going back to what I stated earlier, I never learned how to process the emotional aspects of the things that I had gone through. And so I lived a broken life. I parented from a broken space. I did relationships from a broken space till it became too much. And I really wanted to end my life instead of deal with it and look at those things head on. And I'm so grateful that I had a tribe of women, like-minded people that that I, I already had a relationship with who helped me to find my way to talk therapy. And then from there, I'm really diving into my faith and just um, really brainstorming and trying to find different programs and avenues to be able to change my way of thinking. Um, But it first started with having a safe place to fall and a safe Mm -hmm. place to feel vulnerable. And and working through that process, it was not overnight. It was tough. Mm -hmm. There were moments where I was afraid to see myself Mm-hmm. Um, but my desperation to be better, my desperation to find healing within myself and to accept myself became more important than my fear of what I was going to uncover about myself and the stuff that I was going to have to own up to. Yeah. And so working through that process is really what led me to a place where I could finally say in 44 years that I felt free to be myself, that I felt okay with who I was, my quirkiness stuff my, you know, my fears, just all these things about me that I didn't even know about myself. I felt okay about it. And I, I like to say, Dr. Cam, it was like when you see in the movies, when the person goes to the top of the building and they just say, America, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> well, that is how I felt like inside. I felt free for the first time in my life. It's really an unexplainable type of 
um, experience. And so when I felt that by my nature, I felt like I want other people to feel that. I want other people to experience what it's like to walk through the fears in their life, to walk through those things that they've been pretending that they don't see about themselves, that everybody else see, but they're afraid to look at, to face it and walk through it and dive into why they do the things they do, but then make it to the other side to say, you know what? I choose to release that pain. I choose to release that bad attitude. I choose to release this part of me because it's not doing me any good. It's not doing my loved ones any good. And you know what? I feel so much freer because I let it go. I wanted people to experience that. And that's what got me into this, this, this area. That's, that's amazing. And I know so many people need that help because letting go and, and facing that fear, is, there's nothing scarier, right? Yeah. Yeah. How, you know, what advice can you give to parents that are in that mode? Because I think as parents, even more so, we're scared to show our vulnerability because we don't want to look weak to our kids. Yeah. We want it. We want to show strength. We're, we're worried either that they're not going to trust us now because, or respect us, or yeah. that we're going to let them walk all over us because they're going to show our weakness. Like, how do right. we, how do we take that step? So first I will say, so look, I have my little list of things that I was going to say and stuff. And so this is going a little out of order, but I think it works with what you're saying. And first, I really want to stress that we can be friendly with our children, but we are parents first. I personally believe that I'm a parent first. And I, this is when my, my, my son says, is it pro problematic? I hope not. But this is <laughs> my thinking is that I don't want to be my child's friend. I can be their friend when they have their own children and then we can relate in a different space. I want to be my child's parent because I believe that friendship is conditional. A parent's love is unconditional, mm -hmm. right? We, we love them no matter the crazy things they do, the disappointments that they give us, the, the tears that we cry at night over them. We love them so immensely they cannot even comprehend it. And I think that that in itself is so immensely unconditional that a friend can't even scratch the surface. So I'm not even trying to be their friend. OK. And so in that, I would say there's a responsibility. We are their first leader. We are the first people that they see and say, um, I know friendship because of how I saw my mom be a friend. I know um, accountability because of how I saw my parents be accountable. I know vulnerability because how I saw my parents be vulnerable. So there is a way to do everything, right? But in the, in the, at the foundation of it is parenting and understanding that what you are doing, in my view, is a ministry. What you are doing is an assignment. And so in everything that you share, that has to be at the bottom, the foundation of it. So in talking about vulnerability, I grew up in a space where my mom wasn't vulnerable. I didn't see any women, any adults around me, any men, nobody around me that showed vulnerability. And so in that, I thought when I was struggling, that because I was sad or upset that I was weak. Yeah. So I viewed the lack of vulnerability in comparison to my life as when I did show vulnerability, something was wrong with me. I don't want my children to think that there's something wrong with them if they are sad. Sometimes we, um, sometimes we celebrate drama. We know not sometimes, a lot of times, most of the <laughs> time too. we celebrate <laughs> drama, right? 
But so, so that can say subconsciously that if I'm angry or quote unquote passionate about something, that that's okay. But if I'm disappointed or I'm sad or I'm humiliated, I'm embarrassed or I'm, I feel insecure about something that I'm weak. I don't want my child to feel that. And so that's what I wrestled with when it came down to my mental health. Mm-hmm. When it came down to, um, I, mean, I mean, really more so with my mental health, I wrestled with that. There was a part of me that said, you don't want them to think you're crazy. You don't want them to think that you're incapable of taking care of them. But then there was a bigger part of me that said, I want them to understand what mental health looks like. I want them to understand that it's not this depiction of you can look at that person and say yep there's something wrong with them I want them to be able to have a genuine picture of what that can look like so that they know how to treat people and so in that I had to go first I had to share that mommy struggles sometimes with anxiety and it looks like this and sometimes I get really sad and it looks like this and these are the things that I do to help me and so if you ever get into a place where you feel this way I don't want you to ever feel like you can't talk to somebody so there was a teaching part of it too when it comes to me just screwing up and saying things that I really shouldn't say but in the heat of the moment I say it My 10-year-old reminded me the other day when I thought I was giving him a wise moment, a wise teaching. He reminded me that I told him he was as dumb as a doorknob. I was like, who said that? (laughs) I didn't say that. (laughs) But he was like, like when you said that to me, and I was like, oh my God, please forgive me. I was frustrated trying to teach. It was pandemic. I was a learning coach. I should not have been. (laughs) I was the one to three kids and I was working at the same time, something happened and I said it, okay? But no, in no way in shape or form did I mean it. And sometimes you just gotta fall on the sword. I had to fall on the sword. I had to tell my child, please forgive me. Mommy was a, that was a horrible thing for me to say. I should never have said that to you. Please forgive me. I don't say I'm sorry. I say, please forgive me Mm -hmm. because I feel like it gives them the power to decide on how they want to process what happened. And I told them, whenever you're ready, you can, you know, I, I would love it if you would forgive me, but please, I, I never meant to make you feel anything other than you are intelligent and you are this and you are that. But my point is that I want them to know as their leader, as their parent, that we screw up sometimes and that adults screw up sometimes. And it's not about that we screw up. I mean, it's okay that we do that. And I want them to know that adults can screw up. So when they get older, they're going to screw up too sometimes. But I think it's more so important about how you handle it when you do screw up. I need to be the example of what I would expect from them. And so when they see me falling on the sword, when they see me being vulnerable and saying, you know what, I really had a bad day today and I just want to be left alone. Mm -hmm. When they see that is when they are able to say, okay, this is how I should respond when it is me and my friend, my, my mom's showing me how I should be. Yeah. And I, I think there's so many pieces there that I want to break out too. And I mean, just starting with when you're saying we're their parent of their friend. And I think that's so important for the other way around, because I think a lot of times with friendships, you expect an equal two way. And I think yeah. parents often expect an equal two way. And I hear a lot of parents that are frustrated because they're not getting what they need from their kids and they get resentful. And as a parent, we shouldn't be expecting anything from our kids, yeah. right? Like yeah. that's a lot of pressure to put on them. So I think Absolutely. that's one of those things where it's not equal that way as well. 
showing vulnerability um, and being able to allow your kids a space to be, to fail, to mess up without fear of retribution and anger and all of these things too, I think is so important because now we're making it a safe place to experience and explore rather than fear of making any little mistake, which if we're doing. Um, And also I hear forgiveness and I love that you ask them to forgive you. I, I, I'm taking that. I think that's a, that's a beautiful way to do that. I think the other thing is to remember to ask yourself to forgive yourself too. Yeah, and yeah. I'm hearing a lot of that. And what you're saying is that it seems like the biggest journey for you and continued journey for you is the ability to continue to forgive yourself. Yes, absolutely. And, and I think that's a part of the healing journey. It's an ever evolving journey. You will find things in yourself that you didn't recognize you did. And now that you recognize it, you got to deal with that, right? Yeah. And so as you do that, there is a process of, for me, it is awareness. Wow, I didn't realize that I did that. Ooh. And then it's like, okay, please forgive me. And Fatima, you know, now this is an opportunity for you to change that. And so I'm a, I'm a huge believer in I win or I learn. And that's what I teach my kids. We win or we learn. So you have awesome success and a moment of great accomplishment, or you have moments where it's like, dang, you know, that really sucked, but it's not a losing moment. It's a, what can I get from this moment? It's what would I have done differently? What can I do better? Or what can I just simply learn from the experience as a whole? I'm a huge believer in that. And so that's what I bring to the table in my personal life. Me um, as a woman, as a mother, um, as an individual, as a friend, wife. Uh, yeah, I tend to screw up in all those areas. At one <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> um, but, uh, but then I also want to give that opportunity to my children. Uh, my, my pastor said it so well that you have to love your children enough to allow the ball to hit them. Mm-hmm. Allow the ball to hit them. Because if you don't allow it to hit them, then when will they ever learn to catch? You have to give them the opportunity to be able to learn the skills. And so sometimes that means watching them make a bad decision and watching it play out. And then once it plays out, now let's have the conversation about, you know, let me, let me help support you in what just happened. Let's talk yeah. about it. The good parts, the bad parts, you know, well, you did this part well. And then, yeah, that really did suck. I agree with you. That sucked. Right. But then now what can we take from it? What did you learn yeah. from it? I think every opportunity, I think there's an opportunity all the time when you're being a parent to teach that. My 10-year-old, he is so good about saying, oh my God, mommy, another teaching moment. Can we just have a moment? <laughs> You're going to teach us something again? We're just watching a movie. Why do you have to bring home the teaching moment? <laughs> it's like, but, I, I, you know, but I'm just thinking, I want to prepare them for the world and I want to prepare them to be the best Mm-hmm. human that they can be and so you know but that you know that comes with quirks and so they know me you know and I love the fact that they know me I love the fact that they know the things that I don't do so well I know mm-hmm. that I love the fact that they know the things that I'm still working on that I need to do better in and that even at times they hold me accountable I love that piece of the relationship because it still holds true to the fact that we are just human that we have been assigned to help these people grow and to mature. And then at one, one time or another, we're going to hopefully let them go, but then they're going to come back and want to eat out our food and ask for money, (laughs) but then we're going to push them back out. Right. Right. But in the midst of that yin and yang, that they are able to see that we are, we've been given this assignment and we love them so dearly, but we are also an individual 
And mm-hmm. we are human and we are adults and we make mistakes just like they will. And all of that is okay. All of it is about living. Yeah. And I think when we allow them the space to reflect back to us what's going on from their perspective, rather than getting it, taking it personally to go, yeah. wow, this is a really, really clear mirror of yeah. what I'm portraying of what yeah. I, how I'm coming across, what can I learn from that rather than getting angry at that? I think that's a really difficult thing to do. Um, yeah. But when we do, wow, that is super crazy powerful. Yeah. Um, so Fatima, tell us a little bit about your book and how people can find you. Yeah. So my book is called The Prescription is in the Dirt. I'm excited that the, um, the, the, the cover that was created for the book my son actually drew a mock-up of it when I was writing. And he was like, I'm going to draw. He loves to draw. And he's like, I'm going to draw your cover. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, kid, just go on. I'm typing, right? Just go do what? Yeah, go make mommy picture, right? And then when he came back, it was so beautiful. And I was like, oh my God, you really encompassed what, the t- what, what I was trying to get across. And so in that, we were able to make the cover of the book. So he is listed as an illustrator. So I think that's awesome. <laughs> but uh, yes, so I had cool. to, I had to list him as an illustrator. And then I told him that he was talent. So he got paid. Wow. Um, now, Granted, he got paid very, very low budget, but he got paid. And so he got his $30 a flat rate. So I don't have to give him, um, you know, residuals. And he got his name. <laughs> right on wow, the that's a big deal. But, yeah, so that was cool. But so yeah, the book is called The Prescription is in the Dirt. It is on Amazon. And the point of the, 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 the title is that there is medicine, there is healing balm mm-hmm. in the things that we hide, the things that we think are so shameful, mm-hmm. the things that we are told in our family, um, what, what, what happens in our house stays in our house. We're not even supposed to discuss it because it'll bring shame to the family. Um, even in the faith, it'll bring shame. We don't talk about this stuff, right? Or we act perfect, but we dare not talk about the abuse in the home, the sexual abuse in the home, the, the horrible emotional and mental abuse that happens in the home. We dare not talk about that because it'll shame the family. And so you're in this quandary of when can I release it? When can I release the pain? I can't talk about it while they're alive. Then I dare not talk about it when they're dead. So when do I get my freedom? And so that's, that's the dirt. All those things that make you feel that way, feel encaged in your own life. And I talk about my personal dirt that has happened throughout my life. And, and even to the point of it taking me to a place of where I wanted to end my life. And how I worked my way back, how my my foundation, my faith, um, just my analyticalness, the, the gifts that I already have inside of me that I didn't realize was inside of me, how those tools helped me to get to a place of healing and true happiness and freedom in my life, in my skin, in my skin. Yeah. And so that's what the book is about. It's basically saying that if we do not deal with that dirt then just like at a grave site, what the dirt is used for is to cover the grave. We will be walking around dead on the inside, Mm -hmm. like walking zombies. We'll be functioning in life, but we won't be able to communicate or connect emotionally to people. We'll be walking around bitter and judgmental and angry and have horrible coping habits like emotional shopping or emotional manipulation, tantrums, all this type of stuff instead of dealing with ourselves. But if we allow... Um, our courage and our grit. And I, for me, I'm a spiritual person. So I say, 
um, God or our faith to get down with that dirt and turn it and use it like soil, then such beauty can come up out of it. It's all about what you do with the dirt. And, and hopefully it'll help people to not be ashamed of what they have went through, but actually use it. Like I said, you want or you learn, use that stuff as a platform to win. Use it to say, you know what? This is what people talked about over my life. This is what they said I would never do, but I'm not doing this to say, take that, take that. I'm changing my narrative because I know that there is greatness inside of me and I can be more than what the folks have said that I can be. And then do it, not to point fingers back and attack, but do it because you know that there's greatness on the inside of you and there is more for you, you know, and then go back and help somebody else. Wow. That is, that is beautiful and powerful. And just so I love how you put it with the dirt because you can just feel it. So Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Fatima. This is You're welcome. Did I pass? Not say anything too bad. I was just going to say, you can go tell your son (laughs) that you did not say anything problematic. So very good. Score. (laughs) Very good. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Kim. I appreciate it. A hundred percent. And thank you parents for taking time out of your busy day to spend with us. If you want to learn more about how to help your teens thrive, you can grab my top 10 secrets of for raising teens at askdrcam.com slash parenting tips. Finally, if you enjoyed this episode and all the helpful strategies that Fatima shared with us, please take a quick moment to rate and review. This helps other parents like you find this show. I encourage you to share it with a friend as well. Until next time, have a peaceful, positive, calm day. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today on Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. Make sure to visit my website, www.askdrcam.com where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS so you'll never miss a show again. While you're at it, if you found value in this episode, I'd appreciate a rating on iTunes and hey, why not share it with a friend too? Be sure to tune in to my next episode. And remember, parenting teens may not be easy, but with my help, it can be a whole lot easier than this.